Welcome to another episode of The Bandage Podcast, a weekly wrap-up of the most trending healthcare news. Each week, join me and my co-host, Alex Ross, as we'll discuss the latest in healthcare, health IT, and compliance. In this week's episode, we discuss a farm for public schools, a program for adults with social isolation, and potential biomarkers associated with autism. Let's wrap things up. This is episode 70 for the week of February 1st. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And I'm Alex Ross. Before we get started, our diagnosis code of the week is W61.91XD, bitten by other birds, subsequent encounters. You know, interestingly enough, uh, mm. kind of fitting with today's first story, which we'll get to in a minute, um, I'm a bit of a farmer myself. Ah. And I don't know if you know this, but chickens are actually descended from dinosaurs. Yes, I and did know that. They possess a lot of the same attitude as dinosaurs. So if you've seen Jurassic Park, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Right. Anytime they get a little bit of freedom, they'll eat you. Mm-hmm. And chickens are mm-hmm. no different. Uh, the only difference <laughs> is that they don't have a very big mouth and they don't have very big teeth. So instead, I just get bit by the birds a lot. Now, it, granted, it makes me feel like, you know, a really cool zookeeper you know a chris Mm -hmm. pratt type if you will yeah very nice but it comes at the expense of my poor angles do you have a chicken named blue not yet but i I will that's coming soon um but yeah i've just got a standing appointment with my my local emergency room for pretty much every monday morning to go get my Mm -hmm. ankles treated why is it other birds and not just birds uh, well, because I have other birds. Well, I, I have my main birds. These are the right. other ones. Oh, okay. So when you're telling, when you're talking to the doctor, that's what you say. You say, no, 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 doctor, I have, I have birds, but these are my other birds. And they're like, exactly. oh, that's W61.91XD, of course. Exactly. <laughs> because every doctor can mem- memorizes all of the ICD-10 codes. It's part of <laughs> med school. Right. And they can just recite them as needed. Yep. And with that, let's get right into the news. First up, we have Growing Healthy Minds with an Agricultural Project. Denver Public Schools will receive over half a million dollars to pay for a hydroponic farm at Bruce Randolph School. This money comes from the Healthy Food for Denver Kids program funded by the city's sales tax. Voters passed the tax increase in 2018. The program's goal is to feed students and educate them about nutrition. The project will convert an existing classroom into a controlled indoor agricultural environment. A full-time farm manager will work closely with the school's agricultural teacher. Students will be able to grow vegetables and help install farm equipment and learn how it works. They will also learn about advocacy as the district partners with Teens for Food Justice, a nonprofit that specializes in food access. This sounds like a wonderful program. But my mind sure can't wrap its head around where five hundred million dollars or half a million, five hundred thousand dollars is going to be spent. Yeah, that's a lot of money for uh one school. For <laughs> well, the way they describe it is an existing classroom. I, I've been in a classroom before, and even if it's one of those jumbo deluxe ones, you know, with <laughs> jumbo extra deluxe. space. Uh, <laughs> there's only so much farming you can fit into that space. I have mm-hmm. to imagine that a lot of it does go to paying the salaries of this new full-time farm manager and their benefits and whatnot. 
Yeah. Um, but goodness, that's a lot of money to set up something like this. Yeah, it's a lot of money for a farm, especially. Right. I mean, I feel like you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the land looks like at Bruce Randolph School, but maybe it would be a little bit more budgetary friendly if they just had a plot of land that they could, you know, take the kids to as like a right. daily field trip. But right, you know, a maybe that was already garden. discussed. <laughs> I mean, granted, that is seasonal. And doing yeah. something indoors would allow you to do it year round and and learn about different farming systems. And don't get me wrong. I really like the concept of getting kids interested not only in agriculture, because that's mm -hmm. a field that we need some younger blood in, but also in growing their own food, you know, taking an active role in preparing their own food, which right. we found makes them much more likely to eat healthier. You know, when they yeah. have a role in producing that food, they're more likely to eat that food. I think right. that's great. Uh, I'm just, my challenge becomes perhaps there's a more efficient way to use that much money to get the same outcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's very helpful and also very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And, and granted, a lot of it's probably a one-time investment. So we're going to be using the same equipment for 15 years and it'll pay for itself over time. I get that. That's super cool. And I love the idea of education is invaluable after all. Agreed. Agree. And if it does produce our next generation of farmers, then that's a perfectly noble goal. Yeah. And we're not talking farmers insurance. We're talking right. actual farmers. I guess the next question becomes, will they get chickens? And would they like to... Uh, Will they fall victim to W61.91XD? Exactly. That's the biggest question. Next up, Cozy Up During the Lonely Winter. The, quote, Cozy Up program from Scott County, Minnesota, is helping seniors and adults cope with social isolation this winter. Seniors who signed up will receive a series of mailings designed to keep them mentally active while staying at home. The first mailing was scheduled to arrive this past week. The second involves a creative project, and the final mailing will contain a surprise gift. Winter can be a challenging and isolating time for seniors, especially during the pandemic. The booklet and activities were designed to have a personal element with activities that offer opportunities to engage and reflect. Yeah, so uh, Scott County is near Minneapolis, kind of. It's a southern county to Minneapolis. So just to give you some geographical location um i feel like this cozy up is a nice word especially it's helpful during winter but also i wonder if this is like a uh going to be a forever thing because you know we've all been socially isolated for almost a year now <laughs> so right. it, it's uh it might be ending up it might end up be calling something like um you know cozy up indefinitely <laughs> That's the best I got. <laughs> now seems like it would be a great time to try and, I guess, teach or, or show a lot of our seniors how to use certain internet-based or computer-based programs. And, and here's mm -hmm. my idea, right? We're trying to give them activities to keep them mentally active, um, provide some comfort in these kind of isolated times. What What kind of things do... Um, I don't know, when I think of my grandmother, 
the kind of activities that she partakes in regularly are things like bingo or yeah. uh, playing bridge with her friends every Thursday or, mm-hmm. you know, solitaire even. All of these things could be accessed and even played with the same people through our technology, you know, through a tabletop right. simulator. You could be playing with your same bridge group from your your distanced area. I think that would be a great system or a way to try and reach people. And it'd be great if we had, I guess, funding to provide technology like that. Um, now, now you've got me thinking. Yeah. I'm thinking maybe time, mail order time. bingo. <laughs> right. <laughs> a lot of times we've seen, like, I mean, we've talked about technology that helps kids learn. I mean, I feel like it's the same kind of idea. It's just with elderly. And I mean, it makes sense to me. <laughs> it makes total sense to me. So maybe right. that is something, you know, maybe we're just giving out a million dollar idea right now. <laughs> it, it makes me think of a lot of the virtual reality games that are out, which, mm-hmm. you know, kind of lack a lot in the game department and really end up just being a lobby where you can exist and talk to people. And right. how cool would that be for like my grandma to just be able to dro- drop into a virtual world and go sit and play virtual bingo? Yeah. And then they can end up getting you know technologically savvy enough that they end up playing Fortnite. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then all the all the five year olds are getting wrecked by my grandmother. <laughs> exactly. That kind of brings new meaning though when I hop on and I tell these kids, My grandma could be well, yeah, she probably could. Oh yeah, she did. <laughs> she actually did. Yeah, actually last week she did. <laughs> Next up, a possible missing piece in the puzzle. Machine learning tools identified patterns of maternal autoantibodies indicating the likelihood and severity of autism in children. Autoantibodies are immune proteins that attack a person's own tissue. A pregnant mother's autoantibodies can react with her growing fetus's brain after its development. Researchers analyzed plasma samples from mothers to detect reactivity to eight different proteins that are abundant in the fetal brain. The machine learning algorithm analyzed around 10,000 patterns and identified the top three patterns associated with maternal autoantibiotic-related autism spectrum disorder. With these biomarkers, there's potential for early diagnosis of MAR autism and more effective behavioral intervention. It also paves the way for more research on potential preconception testing. Now, this is one potential factor that I I honestly have never heard about in regards Mm -hmm. to autism is a potential, in a way, autoimmune attack from the mother to the child. I guess the the question becomes, is there some relation between the mother's life, the mother's environment, and Mm -hmm. her propensity to have these autoantibodies that could potentially cause uh, MAR autism. Yeah, because I can't we, we know question, that for, <laughs> but it is a good one. Right, for a number of reasons, the number of diagnosed cases of autism seems to be rising in recent years. And a lot of that does come down to being able to identify autism better, right? We recognize mm-hmm. it, and that's why there are more diagnoses. Yes. I do wonder, though, if something that there's some environmental factor for example 
that are causing mothers to be more likely to produce these autoantibodies that are more likely right. to cause this type of autism. And, and that's the next step for this kind of research is, okay, so we have an idea of this thing that could be causing uh, a lot of autism spectrum disorder diagnoses, right? What's yeah. causing that situation? Why are we here? Is this just normal? Is this, you know, uncontrollable? We don't know why it just happens sometimes as autoimmune disorders do. Sometimes they just happen. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see where that goes. Yeah. I mean, they have to continuously. I mean, some when there's, when there's things like autism or Alzheimer's or any of the stuff that we really don't have a quote unquote cure for, it's always interesting to see how they get creative with their with their thought processes okay maybe if it wasn't this maybe it's this and i feel like that's just a, the process of continual medical research is like okay it's not that so maybe it's this <laughs> right. which is it's always interesting to see how far down the path they go until they finally hit you know hit gold now the other half of this story that we almost <laughs> ignored is that we the the scientists have developed a machine learning algorithm Mm -hmm. to determine which antibody patterns specifically related with a percentage increase in diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder. Yeah. And that's super cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The team is, this is a quote from the article, quote, the team is currently researching the pathologic effects of maternal autoantibodies using animal models. Mm-hmm. Quote, we will use these animal models to develop therapeutic strategies to block the maternal autoantibodies from the fetus, said uh, Dr. Van DeWater. That's cool. Oh. Yeah, that <laughs> sounds very impressive. <laughs> it, it's just one more thing to add on to your, uh, your prenatal care is first we test you for your autoantibodies and then we start giving you a preventative treatment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just a never ending <laughs> list. We'll just add it into your prenatal vitamin. And with that, let's go on to our next segment. B-R-E-A-C-H. Breach Patrol. It's a breach! All of the latest cybersecurity breaches. Welcome to Breach Patrol. We talk about the latest, greatest, biggest breaches all across the world. First up, if you're looking for a Valentine, they might find you publicly. Now, if you have an account on the wellness-themed dating service Meet Mindful, you may want to change your password and log out of Facebook. Malicious data thieves dumped details of 2.3 million accounts into an online hacker forum where anybody can grab the databases for free. The public data included names, email addresses, street addresses, relationship status, gender, potential partner preferences, location, and birthdays. It also included Facebook IDs and session tokens, which lets Facebook users stay logged in. To make sure no one can get into your Facebook account using stolen session tokens, users should log out of Facebook on all devices and then log back in. Meet Mindful posted a security advisory that users who signed up after March 2020 were not affected, and they have reached out to all likely affected users. Here's something to ponder, I guess, in your next meditation session. Yeah, I, I I mean, I feel like date sites are cool, but I always hear about them getting breached. I mean, it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, one of the one of the big ones, what was the what was the adult meetup group that uh that ended up getting breached and it, and it was like a huge deal. 
I can't remember off the top of my head. I don't remember what it was called, but um, it was, I mean, that's just an example of it being huge, but I mean, meet mindful details of one or 2.3 million accounts is, is insane. That's a lot. And I've never even heard of this dating website, but apparently it's very popular. So I think my favorite piece of information that seems to have been potentially leaked is the potential partner preferences. <laughs> because I'm thinking of this in the sense of like, all right, here's a person. I've got all their information to potentially scam them, right? I know where they live. I know yeah. their email address. So now I'm going to start going down the line and I'm going to look at their potential partner practice, uh, preference and be like, all right, so they like uh, these women yeah. or these guys. And so I'm going to pretend to be one of those people mm-hmm. and say, you know, hey, I left that website because there was a big data breach, but I was really interested in getting yeah. to know you. Um, please please <laughs> yeah. send me money so I can come visit, right? Alex, are you a uh, are you a part of this malicious group? Because that no. sounds very, very specific. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you exposing your own strategy? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> no, but th- that's why it, it's so dangerous is because all that very specific information could be used to make targeted phishing attacks, which yeah. obviously the more targeted a phishing attack can be, the more likely that it succeeds. And right. that's what's, that's the bad thing. So basically if you get an email that says, Hey, uh, this is so-and-so from meet mindful, probably. <laughs> yeah. Probably keep that within the app. If you're still going to be a part of it. After right. That's that. why they recommend you only talk within the app. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, shop till you drop, or at least until your data does. Bonobos, and I'm not talking about the monkeys, a men's clothing store owned by Walmart, suffered a massive data breach exposing millions of customers' personal information. A cloud backup of their database was downloaded by the threat actor. Bonobos states that the corporate systems were not breached in the attack. This leaked database is a 70-gigabyte SQL file containing various internal tables used by the website. It also includes 7 million customers' email addresses and phone numbers, 3.5 million customers' partial credit card numbers, and 1.8 million customers' order information and encrypted password. The company sent an email to the customers prompting them to change their passwords for their Bonobos account and any other account with the same password. Before it's kind of interesting far. that 70 gigabytes equates to millions and millions of customers information oh absolutely yeah data is is cheap i guess mm -hmm. i guess (laughs) so and it's also compressed these days before we get too far though i do i just want to make sure that we're clear bonobos are not a monkey they are a a type of chimpanzee they are an ape so the more you know (laughs) if you want to learn something if you learn anything from this episode Right. Yeah. If, you, mm-hmm. if you learn anything, what you should know is that monkeys have tails, apes do not. Oh, okay. Um, make sure you stay tuned for our next podcast called <laughs> Is It a Monkey or Is It an Ape? <laughs> That'll be a new game that we play uh, yeah. at the end of every episode. <laughs> yeah. We put a picture of a monkey on the screen and show the audience <laughs> and then we have to determine whether or not it's a monkey or an ape. Anyways, yes. I like how the one thing that they did, though, and this isn't sarcasm, but I actually do like that they said 
to make sure to change their password for their Bonobos account and any other account with the same password. So, right, you know, not very many companies, they only go to the, the depths of saying, hey, change your password on your account for us. Don't worry about any of the other accounts. Right. And so many people use the same password. Mm-hmm. We probably should recommend that they do that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Then again, I don't know about you, but I have thousands of accounts because everybody requires you to sign up for an account to use their service. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't possibly go through and change all of them. Right. <laughs> Granted, they don't all use the same password, but like, I don't know which ones do. I I don't know. I use a password manager, which I hope never gets breached. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next up, his work here isn't done until he gets what he's owed. A class action lawsuit has been filed by a retired transit worker after a TransLink data breach. The individual claimed that the Canadian transit company failed to responsibly manage his and other employees' personal data during the breach. The lawsuit is seeking compensation for everyone who was affected. It states that the breach resulted in the loss, theft, or compromise of highly sensitive information of TransLink employees. It also says that the breach occurred as a result of the company's failure to comply with its obligations under the Freedom of Information and Protection of Privacy Act. But TransLink said that it proactively disclosed suspicious activity on its network within hours of the incident and kept people informed as best they could during the investigation. We don't usually hear of private citizens um, suing, basically, in regards to a data breach. Yeah, now this is new for, for us. We, we don't really get stories that are like this, but you know, sometimes the people need to stand up and it's got to be like, well, I mean, if I trusted you with my data, the least you could do is protect it. So it goes back to, you know, whether or not they won this, this lawsuit or not, as in the person who's suing the company, um, goes back to privacy policy, you know, terms and conditions and also. If the if the company has safeguards in place that are adequate enough, according to the judge and the law, that you know it's like, oh well, they, it looks like they tried everything they could, but it still got breached. So you know, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that that's one way I expect this lawsuit to go. It's it's going to be well. Here are the terms that you agreed to, and they did their job. Things happen. Oops. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's a possible solution. Now, the the other option is, of course, uh, that they look at the terms that you agreed to, and they look at the efforts they made, and they said, "Ah, you you purposely took shortcuts or whatever, and right. then just thought you were excused because of the things you put in your terms and conditions." And, mm-hmm. and they could potentially rule that, like, terms and conditions are not the end all be all of what you are and are not allowed to do. And there are still reasonable precautions and steps that you have to take as a company in order to protect your employees. Right. And that's it for this week's wrap up of your weekly healthcare news. I'm Alex Ross. And I'm Matt Moneypenny. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of The Bandage. This week's episode was written and produced by eTactics. E-Tactics is a leading revenue cycle solutions organization committed to providing innovative, web-based solutions that improve our clients' cash management and customer relationships. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.